It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, the perfect name for a fantasy podcast, especially this week. Thanksgiving week. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You know that at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. You can check us out at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You must check out the star of the show, Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. Love me some Joe Dolan, fresh off his Thanksgiving haircut. Go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 22feast. Joe, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. We shall begin with the Bills and the Lions in Detroit. Yeah, it's um, it's a great matchup for the Bills. The Lions defense has been exploitable, though I think they're playing a little bit better of late. But, I mean, by the numbers, this is a, a matchup where Josh Allen should bounce back from an overall pretty light fantasy day against Cleveland last week. Um, Amani Oruwarie, very exploitable matchup. I think this is a potential blow-up spot. For Gabe Davis, um, Stefan Diggs, you obviously play every week. Now, uh, also worth noting that Devin Singletary, I, I mean, as of right now, it almost looks like the Bills have like lit a draft pick on fire with the Naeem Hines trade. He's got like one yard of scrimmage through three games with Buffalo. So there is clearly something that's not working out there. But with the Bills is 10 point favorites in this game. Devin Singletary, um, uh, James Cook is getting more involved. Um, Singletary, I mean, James Cook seeing 11 carries. Look, that's something to watch. Um, maybe the Bills are running the ball a little bit more to protect Josh Allen. Uh, but Devin Singletary is looking good in this matchup with the Bills' heavy underdogs. Uh, heavy favorites, rather. Lions? Yeah, so the Lions are going to be playing from behind. Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously a, a solid spot for him. Don't love it for Jared Goff against the Bills pass rush, but um, we've seen Jared Goff put up numbers uh, from behind before. I don't believe Jamison Williams is going to play this week. I think they, they activated his practice window, but I don't think he's going to play this week. I think they're aiming for next week, but certainly something to monitor going forward. If he's out there in your league, especially if it's a keeper league, go pick Jamison Williams up. Um, and then for the Lions, the run game is something that obviously stands out to me. Um, it's first and foremost, it's not a great matchup over the last five weeks. Buffalo is giving up the fewest yards before contact um, of any team in the NFL. The bills hand uh, the bills surrender just 19 yards on 14 carries to Nick Chubb last week. Jamal Williams. He has been finding the end zone. He's tied for the NFL lead in rushing touchdowns. Not sure. This is a great matchup for him. From a fantasy perspective, he's kind of been an every week RB2 with RB1 ceiling. You kind of just have to roll with it. The problem is, what do they do if they're playing from behind? DeAndre Swift's been part of this three-man running back rotation, and he's only been saved by, like, random touchdowns. I think he's a flex at best, but maybe with the Lions, who are on a winning streak right now, maybe with them heavy underdogs, DeAndre Swift gets a little bit more work this week. It's really interesting about Hines. He did have a good like punt return or kick return last week. Yeah, it's just weird. Like he said, there was he had trouble picking up the playbook, and you know they didn't give up a ton for him. They gave up Zach Moss and a sixth round pick, but 
I mean, right now they've lit that draft pick on fire. We'll see if look, that's a that's a move that if Buffalo wins the Super Bowl and he and he contributes, it, it they didn't give up a ton, but as of right now, he has been significantly less involved than I anticipated he would be. What about the game I'm calling for Westwood One, Joe? Heading out a little bit later today to fly to Dallas. It's the Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys are 10-point favorites in a division game where these two teams are essentially tied, uh, which tells you how people are reacting to the Cowboys. And then, of course, the Giants, who, for as much as Brian Dable has changed the culture here and as much as the Giants have taken a step forward this year, I think we all knew that they were – there was a little bit of fool's gold to what the Giants were doing a little bit this year. But 10-point favorite for the Cowboys coming off a hugely impressive win divisional game I don't know it feels a little bit rich to me even though I think Dallas is clearly uh the superior team and now obviously the Giants are are at run defense we've been picking on and I don't see why Tony Pollard can't continue his run as like an RB1 right now he already rushed for 105 yards against them back in week three I mean, I think this is a huge spot for Tony Pollard. And on the Thanksgiving Day slate, Ezekiel Elliott's been getting goal line work. And whether Tony Pollard's been their better, better buy, you can make the argument that Tony Pollard's been their best offensive player. Um, but I don't expect Zeke Elliott's not going to get his. It is a great matchup, okay? We've been exploiting the Giants' run defense for weeks. I don't think Dallas is, is the matchup where the Giants' run defense is all of a sudden going to get right. So I think Dallas, as heavy favorites in this game, I think it's a great spot for both Tony Pollard and and Ezekiel Elliott, to be quite frank with you, Ross. Zeke Elliott, is it fair to say he's now the highest-paid short-yardage goal line back in NFL history? Yes, it is. Uh, what was, like, Marcus Allen making back in the day when he was with, <laughs> the, when he was with the team? Now, I mean, Zeke Elliott's making more money, but relative. Like, what was Marcus Allen making back in the day? Marcus Allen, the greatest goal line back of all time, Ross. Uh but yeah, I, I think I think Zeke Elliott is the the highest paid goal line back. He doesn't catch passes. He has like nine catches this year. He needs a touchdown to come through. Fortunately, it's a great matchup. I mean, it's a great matchup for Dallas across the board with the Giants, who just put Adore Jackson on IR as well. So um, Michael Gallup maybe's got an opportunity there. I think across the board, a great matchup for Dallas. What about the Giants offensively? Really struggled getting Saquon going last week. Yeah, they struggled getting Saquon going, and they lost Wandale Robinson. And uh, look, Dallas's pass rush. Now the question is, what's the status of Micah Parsons, who's missed some practice time this week? He was in that game when the entire world was shouting, Ross, both Dallas and Minnesota play on Thanksgiving. Get their starters out. Micah Parsons immediately gets hurt. I, I mean – I don't think it's serious, but let's see what the status is. Nonetheless, a bad matchup for the Giants, who have major offensive line issues. Uh, Both um, John Feliciano, the center, their backup right tackle, Tyree Phillips, went down with neck injuries last week. Who knows if Evan Neal, the rookie right tackle, is going to be available in this game. Evan Neal hobbled. Not the matchup I want to see against Micah Parsons if he plays or Demarcus Lawrence. So this is a rough matchup across the board for Daniel Jones. No Wandale Robinson who tore his ACL. Can Darius Slayton like pick it up? Richie James is going to be somebody who I figure will probably be popular on the on the Thanksgiving Day slate because of price and because the Giants really don't have anyone else. It just feels like the Giants' injuries and lack of depth is coming home to roost here. Uh, pardon the term on Thanksgiving uh, on Turkey Day rather uh, with uh, with the, their matchup with the Cowboys. I do think the points are a little too much 
uh, for a divisional game on a short week, but still, um, you can see why, because the matchup is favors the Cowboys across the board. The nightcap, another good one, interesting one. How about the Vikings hosting the Patriots? All right, there's a couple of things that I want to point out here. First and foremost, if you're expecting a bounce-back spot for Kirk Cousins, not sure that's that's going to be the case in this one, Ross, because by our uh, pass grade at at, uh, fantasypoints.com, which essentially measures the pressure rate that an offensive line allows vis-a-vis the pressure rate that a defensive pass rush generates – The Minnesota Vikings have our second worst of the week behind the Rams going up against the Chiefs, and that's a disaster game that we'll obviously get to. And that doesn't account for the fact that Minnesota's not going to have Christian Darrisaw in this game. So Christian Darrisaw against a defense that generates a ton of – no Christian Darrisaw against a defense that generates a ton of pressure. Kirk Cousins was totally under siege. I'm not saying it's going to be as bad against the Patriots, but it's going to be pretty bad, Ross. It is going to be – a bad, bad matchup here. Um, not looking forward to it uh, from Kirk Cousins' perspective. And I will have you know that over the last five weeks, when it comes to Justin Jefferson, Patriots cornerback Jonathan Jones is giving up the fewest fantasy points per coverage snap of any cornerback, any qualified cornerback in the NFL. So wow. I don't know if they'll shadow Justin Jefferson, but Bill Belichick's going to know that. What's in fantasy we always lean on something we always say oh belichick he's going to take away their best player well we know who that is for the minnesota vikings and we know bill belichick has the ammunition to handle justin jefferson because jonathan jones is giving up and by the way he plays everywhere he'll go into the slot he'll play left corner he'll play right corner he's giving up point zero two fantasy points per coverage snap over the last five weeks. That is elite. Not a great matchup for Justin Jefferson either. Again, you're not benching Justin Jefferson. Just not a great matchup for him uh, in this matchup with the Patriots. I am really interested to see this game. I'm going to see, be interested to see what adjustments the Vikings make because they got their asses kicked last weekend. I don't, I don't think New England has the offensive firepower to do the same thing Dallas did to them. But defensively, I think New England can give them a lot of problems. What about New England on offense? um well jacoby myers is their best receiver but although their leading receiver on uh uh, in in week 11 was Ramondre stevenson who continues to get it done as a receiver damian harris did good things as a runner uh, in that game but Ramondre stevenson remains an rb1 because of how well he plays uh in the passing game i like jacoby myers as a wide receiver too um uh, but i'll have you know by our fantasy points metrics, uh, our rush grade, which which measures offensive line versus defensive line play, this is our worst run-blocking matchup of the week. The Patriots also had a couple offensive linemen pick up injuries. David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn got hurt last week. Um, Damian Harris had some success, but Stevenson had just 1.73 yards per carry against the Jets last week. I think Stevenson's going to have to make his hay in the passing game to come through in this one. Again, also not a great matchup for Mac Jones. No, it's certainly not. Uh, really looking forward to that one, though. I think it's going to be a good game. Might be yeah, the projected best to the... be the best game by by point spread. Of course, it's just a two and a half point line of the Thanksgiving slate. 
Obviously, when you're eating your turkey, you should be drinking Labatt Blue Light. It's football season. Football season is synonymous with Labatt Blue Light season. There's no better way to watch your team, especially the Bills on game day. How about all the Bills fans measuring their snow in Labatt Blue Light cans and sending me their pictures? Absolute legends you guys are. Stock up on that Labatt Blue Light. Be the MVP of your tailgate. Share Labatt on game day with your crew. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo, New York. We move on to Sunday, 1 o'clock. Of course, the show that's so nice we do it twice. Denver, Carolina. And we've got a new quarterback in Carolina, Joe. Change everything? Turn around the season? (laughs) Uh, Ross, um, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic is a cliche. But I can't imagine it fitting any better than it does here. I mean, P.J. Walker, they're going to Sam Darnold, by the way. P.J. Walker's still dealing with the high ankle sprain. Baker Mayfield's still dealing with being terrible. So I guess Sam Darnold gives them something. All that we really care about for fantasy is what this means for D.J. Moore. And given it's now week 12, it's still looking like a lost season for him. You know, we can we, we can finally put the Kyle Pitts talk to rest. We'll get to Atlanta later. Um, last year, D.J. Moore's 68.1 yards per game and 7.1 yards per target were the worst of his career as a full-time starter. Until this year, when he set career lows across the board. If you're expecting Darnold to be DJ Moore's savior, I think you're sorely mistaken. But can it be worse than it already has been? I've said no too much to this question already. But I have to imagine it can't be any worse than it has been. He's he's a wide receiver. Oh, but not this week, though. Patrick Sertan standing across from him. Patrick Sertan got his tail whipped by Devontae Adams last week. Don't think that's going to happen against DJ Moore this week. Um, Yeah, just a a rough uh just a rough season for for dj Moore. now that being said deontay foreman the running back he's got three games where he has over 100 rushing yards and a top 10 running back finish but also has three games where he hasn't even surpassed 24 rushing yards or cracked the top 40 fantasy running backs and then two of those good weeks came against the falcons who are an atrocious uh, defense but fortunately for foreman Denver's been a fantastic matchup on the ground, and the Panthers are just 2.5-point underdogs, so that suggests this game should be close. Um, but it, it's it's a brutal matchup for DJ Moore. It's really Deontay Foreman or Bust for me. Uh, don't love the matchup for Moore. What about Denver? You know, Russell Wilson looked a little bit better, Joe, with the new play yeah, call it, a little bit. Yeah, Clint Kubiak. I mean, Russell Wilson's still thrown seven touchdowns in 10 games. Not exactly the guy you want to give up four top 50 picks for. But yeah, he did look a little bit more comfortable. What's the status of Jerry Judy? I think that's a that's a pretty viable question right now. Because otherwise, I think Cortland Sutton will be conti- continue to be peppered with targets. Meanwhile, I think... Um, uh, I, I think Greg Dulcich will continue to get his targets. And then the big news this week was, of course, Denver cutting um, Melvin Gordon. You know, this stuff really bothers me, Ross, because, you know, based on talking to me, how high I was on Javante Williams. And Javante Williams is out here early part of the season ripping off eight-yard runs every time he touches the freaking ball. He's, he's getting chunks of yardage. And then they put Melvin Gordon in the game to vomit all over himself. And then Javante gets hurt. And now they decide it's time to cut Melvin Gordon when the only guys you've got are Latavius freaking Murray and Marlon Mack. Um, one guy to consider. Obviously, Latavius Murray, he's going to get the ball. So he's an RB2, if not more than that. But a guy who might be out there on your waiver wire, 
Mike Kliss, who's covered the Broncos for a long time, said after week 12, the Broncos are going to activate his practice window. Mike Boone. I think he's got an opportunity to have some standalone PPR value. No team has thrown the ball to their running backs at a higher percentage of passing plays than the Denver Broncos. Mike Boone is by far the best receiving back left in Denver. Uh, He's not going to play this week, but he should be added across the board in case he uh, falls into a pretty significant role now with Melvin Gordon cut. Bucks, Browns, Joe. All right, the Bucks coming off a bye, and they've really started to get it going. Um, the the key here for the Buccaneers, number there's two things. Number one, our uh, our guy, Dr. Edwin Porras at FantasyPoints.com, was in a little Twitter thread, and Greg Allman, who covers the Bucks, I, I believe erstwhile of the Athletic, um, uh, he's 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 undergoing a new endeavor, but he's still going to be covering the Bucks. He said his expectation was that Rashad White would continue to start in this backfield, though it's possible Leonard Fournette still produces on third down. The irony was in that game, Rashad White, before the bye, Rashad White getting the early down work, getting the carries, it ended up working out for Leonard Fournette, who ended up you know catching passes, looking as good as he has all year. I almost wonder if this is developing into a lower case Tony Pollard-Ezekiel Elliott situation where the younger whippersnapper is going to help keep the older guy, the bigger guy, fresh, and it's going to benefit both of them. So I'm really interested to see how this backfield breakdown works. But by the numbers, this is a really good matchup for the perimeter wide receivers for the Buccaneers. Cleveland's Cleveland's corners, um, they did a solid job on Buffalo last week. But, you know, again, it might have been thrown off the bizarre travel schedule, a dinged up Josh Allen. Denzel Ward has come back from his concussion and he's been pretty good. But as good as, uh, as well, excuse me, sorry, mom, as well as Martin Emerson, the third round rookie corner has played, he's still been someone who's been exploitable for fantasy. Over the last five weeks, he's allowed 0.56 fantasy points per coverage snap, most among any cornerbacks with 50 or more coverage snaps. So Mike Evans, I think, is in a blow up spot. And if you need a cheapish DFS option, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not starting him in season long, but I think Julio Jones might have some appeal. Hmm. The uh, the the Browns. The Browns. Um, this is Jacoby Brissett's, I believe, second to last start. No, it's his last start. This will be Jacoby Brissett's last start as the Cleveland Browns uh, quarterback before Deshaun Watson comes back. And quite frankly, he's been playing pretty awesome. Amari Cooper has been great. Donovan Peoples Jones has been really stepping it up uh, for the Browns. I think Cooper's a wide receiver too. The Bucks defense is tough, but I don't think they'll shadow him. And you know, shadowing is, is a big deal for Amari Cooper. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a wide receiver three. And I want to see if David Njoku's role increases. He was on a snap count last week, played just 37% of the offensive snaps. Um, and then Nick Chubb, you just got to play him. Um, he had a bad game last week, but you just got to play Nick Chubb. Joe, the the Ravens are in Jacksonville to play the Jags. What happened to the Ravens' offense last week? Was Lamar Jackson feeling the ill effects of his illness? Pardon the pun. I I don't know, man. Like Lamar Jackson, I I, I had the stat with you last week that he hasn't had like a top ten quarterback performance since like week three, and you know last week wasn't a whole lot better. He had the rushing touchdown. The fact of the matter is they just don't have a lot of receivers, and you know Demarcus Robinson throw throw your hands up, you know, celebrate them for doing what needed to be done in a tough spot. But if Demarcus Robinson is leading your team in targets, your team's not in a good spot in the passing game. Um, we'll see what happens with Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, 
I mean, Gus Edwards is inactive. Oh, Kenyon Drake, you know, they're playing Carolina. They're two touchdown favorites. He carries the ball 10 times for 46 yards. That includes a 27-yard carry. I mean, I I hate this team right now, quite frankly. I mean, you still got to play Lamar. But, like, if you've been rolling with Justin Fields, who's hurt, by the way, we'll get to that. You got to – Lamar is a benchable fantasy quarterback right now. It's just a brutal situation I don't know what to say about Baltimore. The offensive line's dinged up. Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews has been dinged up, though he's back. I mean, this is a pretty brutal team right now. They don't have any answers at wide receiver. Um, The running back situation is decimated by injuries. Baltimore's a tough watch for me right now. What about, Joe, the Jaguars coming off the bye? Yeah, Travis Etienne, you got to play him. I mean, obviously. like, I mean, the guy's a, week, a league-winning kind of asset. Here is the key, I think, for Jacksonville's passing game and, and Trevor Lawrence in this game. Last week against the Panthers, the Ravens played Marlon Humphrey, their, who I, if, by, by our metrics – at fantasypoints.com, yards per coverage snap, uh, fantasy points per coverage snap, by, prep po- by pro football focus grade is their best corner. They played him equally, basically equally in the slot and outside. He actually faced two more routes in the slot than he did outside. That was the most slots uh, covered snaps by our data that Marlon Humphrey had played since week three. And I think that's notable because obviously the Jaguars' number one receiver is Christian Kirk. And he's their slot receiver. By fantasy points, Baltimore has been a slot funnel defense this year. You want slot receivers up against Baltimore. But that doesn't account for the fact that they made Marlon Humphrey their primary slot corner last week. And if that continues, this goes from an on-paper great matchup for Christian Kirk to an on-paper bad matchup for Christian Kirk. A drastic difference. I'm really interested to see what that is, but I'd be considering Kirk a very volatile wide receiver too in this matchup. Evan Ingram, by the way, with all the injuries we have at the tight end position, he's back on the streaming radar coming off the Jaguars by. Houston also might be making a quarterback change. Yeah, They play the Miami Dolphins. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Davis Mills, Kyle Allen doesn't matter to me. Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are low-end wide receiver threes. Brandon Cooks might get uh, shadowed by Xavier Howard. Now, Xavier Howard, by the way, um, uh, has been an exploitable matchup this year. But last year, when these two teams squared off, Howard lined uh, uh, lined up across from Brandon Cooks on 22 routes and held him on those 22 routes to two catches for 19 yards. Damian Pierce had a horrible game last week. Teams have been able to sell out to stop the run. Um... I'm still playing Damian Pierce as an RB2, but the world has collapsed on the Houston Texans right now. Not a team I'm very much interested in for fantasy. Dolphins coming off the bye? Uh, That is a team I'm interested in for fantasy. Start them! RB1 this week. I'm talking top 10 at the position is Jeff Wilson. The last time out before their week 11 bye, they shredded the Browns for 184 rushing yards and two touchdowns with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I think Jeff Wilson's a high-end RB1 this week. I think Raheem Mostert is a viable RB2 this week against that Houston run defense. And look, I think Steven Nelson, the cornerback for the, for um, for Houston, has been one of the more underrated corners in the NFL this year. 
it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Okay, you're not benching those guys. You're excited to get Tua back in your lineup. There is nothing about this matchup that scares me away from the Miami Dolphins. Start them, start them, start them. I think Jeff Wilson will be very chalky for fantasy, by the way, uh, for DFS rather. Bears, Jets, we don't know about Fields' injury, but we do know, per Adam Schefter, moments ago that Zach Wilson will not be the quarterback for the Jets. We don't know who will, Joe. Does it matter for you? Um, I'd prefer it to be Flacco, only because we've really seen him. But we also saw Mike White last year in like these environments where he was dropping back 50-plus times delivering the ball. Now, the question becomes, first and foremost, Ross, you've talked about this on your – they had to make this move, right? They had to. They're six I, and four. I, I think they did, yeah. I think, well, especially after he said Monday that he was thinking about it. You kind of had to. He was thinking about it. He called, um, let, me, let me get the exact quote because I, I read this off on my morning show today. In terms of making a switch to Mike White or Joe Flacco quarterback, uh, Salah said, quote, these are the quotes he had, keeping everything on the table over the next couple of days and that quote, the quarterback is part of a pile of stuff that's being uh, talked about. A pile of stuff. Um, something about Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum, dressed in all black, taking his sunglasses off in Jurassic Park, calls to mind the pile of stuff that Zach Wilson's part of right now. Um, Ross, I mean, just uh, look, he's 23 years old and he's been handed the keys to a multi billion dollar company, okay? When I was 23, I could not be handed the keys to a multi-billion dollar company. I was a, I, I was a POS, okay? But, look, Zach Wilson making excuses. Well, you know, the Patriots didn't throw deep because it was windy. Yeah, Zach, but Mac Jones went 23 to 27. You were 7 to 22, and you've got better receivers than, than Mac Jones has. Joke. Um. Whether it's whether it's Mike White, whether it's Joe Flacco, I just feel better about the Jets' offense as a whole. Does that mean I'm making Garrett Wilson a number one wide receiver? No. Does that mean all of a sudden Elijah Moore is playable or Denzel Mims? Not necessarily. But this Jet offense, if I have if I have Wilson, if I have Tyler Conklin, if I have Michael Carter, I'm just feeling better across the board. This is a move that needed to be made. I don't know how you can look somebody like C.J. Mosley in the eye when he's part of maybe one of the two or three best defenses in the NFL and your quarterback who went seven to 22 was saying, no, no, it's not my fault. I don't know how you look him in the eye and not make this move. Robert Sala did the best thing for the New York Jets, who now all of a sudden hot to trot. They might make the playoffs, especially if the Bears don't have Justin Fields this week. What about the Bears from a fantasy perspective this well, week? What, what can you even say without the knowing field status? If I don't know field status, there's really nothing I can say outside of the fact that we do know David Montgomery is a bell cow here. I mean, let's look let's look at some of the numbers that David Montgomery put up without uh Khalil Herbert with Khalil Herbert on IR. 80% of the snaps, he paced both Treston Ebner and Darrington Evans in every category. Snaps, routes run. He had 67 yards and a touchdown rushing. He had 17 carries. He had four targets for 54 yards receiving, actually led the team in receiving. Um, so David Montgomery, uh, whether it's Justin Fields starting at quarterback whether it's uh, Trevor Simeon starting at quarterback, David Montgomery is an RB1. And, you know, Simeon, say what you want, he can he can distribute the ball. It's just not a very good passing game. Um, look, it, it's a move that we probably have to wait until next year to truly evaluate. Um, 
but they traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool, who's got five catches for thirty for thirty two yards on eleven targets in three games. Not what I'd want to be spending a, a high second round pick on. Let's get to the Bengals and the Titans. Interesting game. Last I checked, the Bengals were favored on the road in Tennessee. What do we know about Jamar Chase? So uh, let's let's take a look at that. Uh, it's a one-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, here's the thing about Jamar Chase. According to Zach Taylor, um, Jamar Chase, by the way, has shed his crutches that he was on, on the, uh, in the locker room last week. I think the, the Bengals are being precautious. But they avoided putting him on the injured reserve simply so he could possibly be back for this game. Zach Taylor said he is truly day-to-day. Truly day-to-day. So that is a very important uh, distinction to make there. Um, I don't know if it'll be this week or that or next week, but it looks like we're going to have to follow Jamar Chase throughout the week. Obviously, he put up over 32 fantasy points in each of his last two weeks uh, before the bye. Now, here is something that I think is really important to note. Watch the injury reports on the Titans' side because on Thursday night against the Packers, Both of their top slot defenders, Elijah Molden and Amani Hooker, were out. Molden had a groin injury. Hooker had a shoulder injury. Um, With both guys unavailable, Joshua Kalu, he was the fill-in against Green Bay, and he allowed five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown on six targets um, as the primary slot corner. Tyler Boyd disappointed against the Steelers last week with just two catches, but he could go under-rostered in DFS or uh, understarted in standard if Jamar Chase returns to the lineup. It does get a lot tougher for Boyd if Molden or Hooker is able to play. But if neither one of them can play, this is a really good matchup uh, for Tyler Boyd. So certainly something to look at, especially if Jamar Chase uh, can't play. Um, Just keep an eye on those Titans practice reports. What about the Titans offensively? Well, there is one thing. You know we say the same thing about the Titans every week, but there is certainly one thing to point out this week. How about uh, Traylon Burks going over his over-the-yardage prop on, like, his first catch last week? Has seven catches for 111 yards on eight targets? Pretty good. That's a kid who should be picked up in all leagues right now. Based on how little Robert – well, although Robert Woods caught six passes from Ryan Tannehill – I think Traylon Burks is a viable wide receiver three in a projected close game. I'm excited to see what this kid can do here uh, coming down the stretch. Certainly somebody who should be picked up uh, on rosters, especially if he can do it again against Cincinnati. Last but not least here in episode one, Joe, it's the Falcons and the Commanders. Um, Kyle Pitts is on IR. Let's pour one out. Um, Kyle Pitts wraps up. The 2022 season, having the lowest percentage of catchable targets thrown to him of any player in the NFL per fantasy points data. Not a single player saw a higher rate of uncatchable passes than Kyle Pitts. Now he tore his MCL, he's going to miss the rest of the season. I am going to be fascinated to follow his ADP because I feel like everybody's like, eh, the, the, the first reaction is I'm never drafting Kyle Pitts again. He killed me. I can't stand him. Uh, he, uh, and then I think everybody's going to talk themselves into Kyle Pitts next year, especially if Elon Musk launches Marcus Mariota into the Kuiper belt, which is what should happen uh, right now. Marcus Mariota freaking stinks. He's awful. Um, 
and he crushed Kyle Pitts this year. I mean, it's it is what it is. Um, pour one out for a really talented player who just was given no shot to succeed this year. We'll see if Cordero Patterson can get it done this week against the Commanders. I'm not really counting on it. That Washington defense has been really good. Um, uh, you saw what they did to Houston last week. So Chase Young's going to be back. Just a brutal matchup across the board for the Falcons. Ross, I don't. What, what, you're drinking your Labatt Blues on Thanksgiving after after the game, of course. When you drink one tomorrow night after the the Dallas game, take one, crack it open, and pour one out for Kyle Pitts, please. Commanders? Uh, it's a great matchup for Washington with one exception. The potential A.J. Terrell shadow of Terry McLaurin. Now, Terrell's a young player. He's co- He completely shut down Amari Cooper and D.K. Metcalf. In his primary coverage earlier this year, Cooper had three catches for uh, – and Cooper and Metcalf, by the way, combined for three catches for 28 yards on 11 targets. But – both Michael Thomas and Brandon Ayuk scored two touchdowns apiece on him. So I think A.J. Terrell is going to shadow Terry McLaurin. But Terry McLaurin exercised the Darius Slay demon uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's going to be a fascinating matchup. On the ground, I, I, like first and foremost, Brian Robinson is an amazing story. And what he's been able to do, given the tragedy that befell him in August is staggering. However, you also have to take into account Washington's trying to win football games. This is a team firmly in the NFC playoff hunt right now. Ron Rivera's trying to win football games. Brian Robinson against potentially the league's worst run defense last week in Houston had just 57 rushing yards on 15 carries. Actually his best 3.8 yards per carry was his best of the season so far. I do wonder if Antonio Gibson gets more carries in this game against an Atlanta defense that really doesn't scare me at any level. A lot more games to talk about. The Sunday night game, the Monday night game, and the Sunday late games on part two of the Fantasy Feast Eaton podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.